0: Can you say yes and mean it? When is it better to say no? Welcome to episode 170 of The Recovery Show. This episode is brought to you by Laurieann, Eric, and Laura. They used the donation button on our website. Thank you, Laurieann, Eric, and Laura, for your generous contributions. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes, and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Before we begin, we would like to state that though we at The Recovery Show may be in a 12-step program, we represent ourselves rather than the program. During this show, we will share our own experiences. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. I hope that you will find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. My name is Spencer, and I'm your host today. I'm going to start with a reading. This is from Courage to Change, one of our daily readers. This is from July 25th. After years of letting people take advantage of me, I had built up quite a store of anger, resentment, and guilt by the time I found Al-Anon. So many times I wanted to bite off my tongue after saying yes, when I really wanted to say no. Why did I continue to deny my own feelings just to gain someone's approval? As I worked the Al-Anon program, the answer became apparent. What I lacked was courage. Courage. In the serenity prayer, I learned that courage is granted by my higher power, so that is where I turned first. Then it was up to me to do my part. Was I willing to learn to say no when I meant no? Was I willing to accept that not everyone would be thrilled with this change? Was I willing to face the real me behind the people-pleasing image? Fed up with volunteering to be treated like a doormat, I squared my shoulders and answered yes. So I recently finished reading a book titled Year of Yes by Shonda Rhimes. And it's subtitled, How to Dance It Out, Stand in the Sun, and Be Your Own Person. A lot of what I read in that book just really resonated with the work that I've been doing in recovery. And so I thought I'd try to express what I found in hopes that that you might find some resonance as well, and maybe some new ideas for your recovery. The first thing that strikes me is this difference between inside and outside, or maybe more appropriately, between outside and outside and inside, which is to say how the image that we present to the world is not necessarily in alignment with, does not necessarily reflect what's going on inside us. And I know that has been true for me in in many different ways, and it was very much true during the time that I was dealing with active drinking and before I came into recovery, that the outside that I presented to the world at least tried not to show the fear, the despair, the sadness, the anger that was inside me. Uh, tried not to show that our life, our home was unmanageable, uh, presenting this image of a happy family, of a successful life, and, and at the same time falling apart inside. And that's sort of where Where she starts her story, Uh, if you're familiar with Shonda Rhimes, she created such TV shows as Grey's Anatomy, Scandal, and How to Get Away with Murder, and and so she would have appeared to be somebody who had everything. She had a successful career, she was very well-respected in her field, she had a family that loved her, uh, you know, a great house, etc., etc., but inside inside was a scared little girl who was hiding from the world it just really again resonates with my experience and and what you know i've heard from other people in recovery about how about we cover up what what we don't want the world to see and she was isolating isolating herself living in in herself stuffing her feelings uh, to show a face to the world that that was not true the second point of, of congruence that I found was that she, like many of us, like me, hit a bottom and had a moment of clarity where she saw what was going on and had some notion of of what she could do. And that certainly happened to me if you listened to my open talk a couple of weeks ago. I had that moment of clarity when I realized that my efforts to Control my wife's drinking to get her to drink less or to to be sober not only were was not possible but had been really making my life unmanageable. And from that understanding that I needed help, and for her 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 bottom, her moment of clarity was sparked by an observation that her sister made. And her sister said six little words she said you never say yes to anything. She likens it to a a grenade that was that was thrown into her psyche and that, that sat there for a while before exploding, which it did one day when those words came back to her in full force. And she writes about her bottom and her moment of clarity in this way I am miserable. Admitting this takes my breath away. I feel as though I'm revealing new information to myself, learning a secret I've been keeping from myself. I am miserable, truly, deeply unhappy. So she recognized it, the need for a change. she recognized that her unhappiness, her misery, had its roots in never saying yes to anything had its roots in always saying no to new opportunities, to things that scared her. And so she said no. And and every time she said no, her world got a little bit smaller. And so she committed to herself and to her friends to say yes to everything that scared her for a year. Here's a quote, a text that she sent to friends. I'm going to say yes to anything and everything that scares me for a whole year. Or until I get scared to death, and you have to bury me, ugh. And her responses, her, her emotional responses, as as she li- uh, expresses them in the book, to actually saying yes to something in the first the first incident that she relates is being asked to, to give the commencement address at Dartmouth University, which is her alma mater. And even though it was six months off, the thought of doing that. Just totally scared her, and you have to read the book. Um, she talks about some of the things that have happened to her in the past in in public speaking in public uh, engagements and and why you know this this frightens her what what she thinks might happen frightens her also that when she has been coerced, I think might be an appropriate word in the past into doing something like that that she essentially has a blackout and, and cannot remember what happened. It just is so intense for her that that her mind shut, shuts off the memory. She can see herself maybe in a recording of a panel or something she's been on and, and has no memory, absolutely no memory of what happened. I think many of us have experienced that sort of thing ourselves. Her sort of entry into this commitment, into this process... Mirrors in many ways, uh, certainly my entry into recovery, into Al-Anon in particular, which is that I need to do something. I don't know what I need to do. I have heard that this Al-Anon thing might help, and so I'm going to give it a try, because it can't be worse. It might be better. And she says, in bullet points, saying no has gotten me here. Here sucks. Saying yes, might be my place to some place better or at least to some place different um, also her pattern of living in the world as as mine was really set for her in childhood she started isolating and living in her imagination in childhood and that is what brought her to the success that she found in in creating these these hit tv shows but it also took her away from anything that involved interacting with other people directly, anything that involved exposing herself as a person. I also live with patterns that were set in my childhood. In my case, those patterns are of being a rescuer, of being a fixer, of codependency, of needing you to be happy before I can be happy. And through this process of, for her, saying yes, for me, saying yes to al we both have found new ways to live. The book has chapters that mostly start with the word yes. The first one that I want to talk about is titled, Yes to Speaking the Whole Truth. And this this chapter includes the the commencement speech that she gave at Dartmouth University, where the theme of it is, Essentially, being true to yourself and going out and doing the things that, that you need to do, rather than seeing a dream but not being able to achieve it. As far as, as speaking the whole truth, recovery has given me a way to know the truth about myself. And a lot of that comes from the inventory in Step 4, Searching and Fearless Moral Inventory. and and then speaking the truth of that inventory in step five, with the support of a loving higher power, um, as as I came to understand and am continuing to grow in my understanding of that higher power. And I think my recovery would not have been possible, would not have been complete without that practice. Without that practice of seeing the truth about myself and speaking the truth. And we also learn in following steps. In particular, I'm thinking of steps eight and nine about making amends, and and step 10 of continuing to do inventory. And when we're wrong, promptly admit it. We learn, I learned to speak the truth because when I speak the truth, my life is easier. I don't have to remember what I said, to which people, and I don't have that feeling of guilt when I see somebody that I know I have hurt, and I have not made amends, I have not made it right with that person, or at least cleared the air, even if I can't make it right. And this is a practice that, again, I have learned in recovery, that we are encouraged to by the steps, and that enables me to to live my life more fully, to live my life more easily, To live my life with more serenity. She has a chapter titled, Yes to Surrendering the Mommy War. And I was like, what's the mommy war? And the mommy war is this theory that, as a mother, you have to do it all for your children. You have to do it yourself. And when you are, as she is, an extremely busy, successful person in your work, in your career, the myth that you also have to be everything in your family can be extremely destructive. And in my recovery, one of the things that I have learned is that it's okay to ask for help, as she had to do in in raising her children. It's okay to give trust for important things to other people when those other people are worthy of that trust. And that, of course, means finding the right people, but it's another topic. I don't have to do it all. I don't have to fix my wife's alcoholism, which, of course, is unfixable. I don't have to treat my wife's alcoholism. I don't have to monitor her program. I don't have to fix things for my children because they are competent, or at least have both the responsibility and the dignity of, of doing things for themselves. And when, when I need help, I can ask for it. I can, I can ask a professional for help. I can hire somebody to, to fix the gutter on my house. I don't have to do it all myself. It's a huge lesson. And when, when help is offered, I can take it graciously, whether it's help at home or help at work or help in, in other aspects of my life. Chapter titled "Yes to All Play and no work and and as I read this chapter, I, I realize that that's a bit of an exaggeration, but it's a, it's a recognition that and and she has this with her children that she needs to take time to play with them, even if maybe it makes her twenty minutes late for something that there, there's always time for a little bit of play, there's always time to spend a moment with the people we love, to engage with them in the way they want to be engaged with. In my recovery, I have learned to take time, to take at least a little bit of time for those things that feed me, for those things that feed my soul, and for the things that connect me to the people I love. You know, to say yes to going for a walk in the woods with my wife yesterday afternoon to say yes to taking a few minutes to meditate to, to to say yes to to stepping into a moment of quiet in the middle of a busy day to re- recharge my energy to to calm down the hectic hurry of of a work day to pet my dog when he wants to play he wants to play and and when he wants to be petted he wants to be petted and he doesn't want it for very long but I can be so caught up in what I'm doing, whether it's playing a stupid game, preparing for this podcast, watching a show on, on Netflix, that I can push him away. And all he wants is, is 30 seconds of attention, and then he's fine, and he'll go back and lie down and, and stop bugging me. Or all I need to do is, is throw his toy for him a couple of times, and then he's done. But I can be too busy, quote, busy, unquote to even take that 30 seconds. And of course, that 30 seconds doesn't just feed him. It feeds me too. Petting him, looking into his eyes as he, as he gazes at me, tussling with his plush toy, brings joy, brings peace, that I might sorely need at that moment. And when I don't say yes to those moments, I miss it. Chapter titled, Yes to My Body, where she talks about one of the ways in which she covered up feelings, one of the ways in which she dealt with these requests to do things that scared her, which was to feed herself, to eat. That was not my issue, but I definitely had times at which I did not take care of myself. And yeah, I ate, um, or perhaps I, I drank too much beer, and... Both of us gained weight as a result of that. Her, maybe more than me, but still more than I wanted. You know, we're encouraged in recovery. We're encouraged to take care of ourselves. We're encouraged to take care of ourselves spiritually, in which the meetings, the readings, the steps, working with a sponsor takes a big part of, of my spiritual recovery. We're encouraged to take care of ourselves mentally and emotionally, and we're encouraged to take care of ourselves physically. And I've really been making that a big part of my life in the last year, taking care of my body. Because as my body gets older, and it does, it's it's inevitable, as my body gets older, those things that were just little nagging problems for years are becoming bigger, are becoming more debilitating, are becoming more um, disabling. And when I find myself not able to... to effectively do the things that I used to do the things that I like to do that's a real wake up you know I was not at the point of not being able to do things but I definitely had gotten to the point where some of the things that I like to do were not as easy to do were not as enjoyable as they used to be and and so I started to to really take that injunction that urging to take care of myself more seriously around my physical body I've spoken here about getting into a program of exercise, about making a commitment to myself to exercise several times a week and setting a goal. My goal of being able to run 5K at least on a treadmill in 30 minutes, maybe even on some streets by the end of the year, by the end of this year, 2016. I'm not going to be running it on the street at the end of the year unless we have another warm winter because I will not run on icy sidewalks or roads. It's not safe for me. That's been definitely part of my routine and part of my life this year. And as it becomes routine, as it becomes something that I do rather than something that I want to do, I, I see changes. I see changes in my ability to to move. Um, I'm also struggling with some pain issues relating to nervous, nerves in my neck and my back and am actively participating in physical therapy for those, and I'm seeing a difference. So when I take care of myself, when I say yes to taking care of myself, things do get better. And I know that's, that there will come a time when there will be things that, that I can't make maybe can't bring them back to the level that I want them to be, but if I'm taking care of myself, I can always make them as, as good as I, as as possible, I guess. So saying yes To taking care of myself is really important in my recovery. Chapter Yes to Joining the Club. And I was like, "What? what is that about? Really what that says to me, that chapter says to me, and and about what I've found in my recovery is saying yes to being honest about the good things that I have. Being honest about my assets, being honest about my strengths, not hiding them. Not comparing myself to others in the areas where they're more capable than i am and ignoring the areas in which i'm more capable than they are or not putting myself forward at least you know i'm a capable person i do have strengths i don't have to hide them i don't have to compare myself to others always to my detriment of course that's my that's my pattern and she found a path to those sort of same realizations uh, that she expresses in this chapter. Yes, thank you. Oh my God. So many times in my life, somebody would say something nice about me, and my standard response was something along the lines of, oh, that's nothing. That's not really true. That's, um, thanks, but. Um, And putting myself down, deprecating what I had done, minimizing it, minimizing the thing that somebody is thanking me for, the compliment that somebody is giving me. I still find myself doing that. Uh, the other day, and uh, a new colleague complimented my hair, said, it's really handsome. And my first response was, yeah, but it's kind of a pain to take care of it. Where is that coming from? That is coming from training, social training over the years to to not put myself forward. To not be able to say just thank you. I can accept praise. This is what I'm learning in recovery. I can accept praise without making it small. Without diminishing it. And to paraphrase something that, that I have heard so many times. Thank you is a complete sentence. I don't have to say thank you but just thank you you know as as i practice that it gets more and more comfortable it's really amazing and she talks about this problem of of not being able to accept praise of the first words out of her mouth being oh it's nothing oh it's not important oh it's it's not really me uh, it wasn't really me that did that it was somebody else it oh uh, it didn't really take anything it's just you know it yes but thank you but let's drop the but okay And then she gets to the chapter titled, Yes to More Year of Yes. Because at this point she realizes that the year has been over for several months and she's still saying yes. And that saying yes to things has brought a real power and has brought so much to her life and has really gotten rid of the fear and the panic that the thought of saying yes used to bring to her. She says yes and it's okay. And the next time it's a little bit easier and it's more okay. And and when she does the thing that she said yes to, she can enjoy it because she said yes. It's just amazing. And and I think that certainly yeah, I've heard this I've heard people say I came to Al Anon. And I thought, ah, 12 steps, 12 weeks, I'll be done. And I don't know when I came in, if I thought I was going to come for a while and, and I would be better and everything would be okay. And I, and I could stop coming. I don't think I even thought it through that far, but I know that when I came, I was not sure I was going to stay. And that each week, each week I felt a little stronger about coming back the next week. Although there, there have been times when I'm like, why am I doing this? why am i taking all this time why am i uh, i don't think i ever thought wasting all this time but why am i taking all this time doing this thing and but as my recovery went on as her year of yes went on we both found that we wanted to keep on doing it that the process of recovery the process of saying yes has been good for us and has brought fulfillment and joy and and wonder and serenity and growth, and amazing things into our life. And, and so we keep on saying yes to it. We want to keep going. Recovery is a lifelong process, and I want to do it. Then there's the chapter titled, Yes to No, Yes to Difficult Conversations. And this is about knowing when the right thing to do for us is to say no. I I had a conversation with my sponsor a few years ago when I had just said yes to something that my wife asked me to do that I really didn't want to do but I said yes. I said yes to I don't know to please her. I said yes because it was a thing I could do to be helpful. It was a person about a person who quote needed fixing and I think to some extent it triggered Those old codependent impulses in me? And I said yes, and I didn't want to say yes, but I said it, and then I called my sponsor. Wrong order would have been much better, um, as I realized after conversation with my sponsor, Would would have been healthier for me to say, I need to think about that. I can't answer that right now. Or to just say no. But I could have at least said I need to think about that. I could have called my sponsor. I could have had that conversation. And then I could have called my wife back and said no. And what my sponsor said to me was, if you never say no, all your yeses are meaningless. If I'm just saying yes out of reflex, as Shonda used to say no out of reflex, if I just say yes out of reflex, it's meaningless. I have to know when to say no. I have to know when something is not the right thing for me. In this chapter, she illustrates this principle with a conversation with a lifelong friend who asks to borrow a large sum of money. And she says no. And the friend basically turns on her and rants at her and then cuts her out of her life. And she realizes that this person really wasn't a friend that this person was somebody who was taking what she could get from their relationship, and that saying no was exactly the right thing for her at that point the the saying I was alluding to earlier that I'm sure you've heard, and if you haven't take this one and and learn it and know it and live it, no is a complete sentence if I can't do something, if it's not right for me to do something, I can say no, and I don't have to justify, and I don't have to explain, if it's not the right thing. I can just say no. not, Not no but, not no and, not no but anyway, just no. Something I learned here. It's a chapter titled, Yes to People. Yes to recognizing that I'm not alone. Yes to recognizing that I have a support group, that there are people who love me. There are people who will be there with me. I think she calls it my tribe. I have a recovery tribe. I don't have to deal with difficult problems alone. There are people who will be there for me. There are people I can ask for help. There are people I can ask to walk along the road with me, and not the least of those is my higher power. I can pick up the phone. I can go to a meeting. I have family who will be there with me. I'm not alone. I don't have to do it on my own. And, and I think, again, the, what she relates in this, in this chapter is a story of being invited to a, a particular gathering and a, being an honored guest there and, and feeling very exposed and feeling very thrust into the spotlight and unsupported. And, and her friends said, of course we'll be there with you. course we will. You're not alone. The final chapter that might be the final chapter in the book It's definitely the last one I'm talking about is titled Yes to Who I Am. And a huge part of my recovery has been learning who I am, accepting who I am, honoring who I am, and knowing that if there are parts of me That after I've accepted they're there, that I would like to change, I can do that because I can ask for that help. And I have a process I can use to change the things that I want to change and to grow the things that I want to grow in a way to accept the things that are, to know who I am, to love who I am. After a short break, I'll continue with my life in recovery, where I talk about how recovery works in my daily life and in my meetings. In this section of the podcast, we talk about our lives in recovery, what's happening in our meetings and in our lives this week. And I've I think I've talked a a lot about myself here already, but this week has been um, it's been a mixed week. the uh, The weather's been up and down. It started beautiful. It got hot and rainy. It it got hot and humid, and then it came back to beautiful at the end of the week. and And that's just a, I think, an illustration of of how everything passes. Our slogan: "This too shall pass." And being in acceptance as to what things are, and being prepared. So when it's raining, dress appropriately for the rain, so that I don't get wet. Uh, Etc. When it's hot, dress appropriately for the heat. I don't know. The weather is one of those things we can't change that we that we can accept with serenity, or we can accept with with anger and rejection. I choose serenity. We had uh, in my meeting yesterday uh, evening, one person brought up a topic of balance of finding balance in our lives, balancing the the things that that we need to do and the things that we want to do the things that, that life thrusts at us and making those making choices to keep balance and and i ran into that yesterday i spent some time i spent some quiet time i spent some exercise time i spent some maintenance of life time in mowing the lawn and doing laundry i spent some family time my wife and i went for a nice walk with the dog in the woods It was a beautiful day for that. Nice, quiet, peaceful walk. Get away from the the bustle of the city for a little while. I did some grocery shopping. I went to a meeting. Um, Spent some time with my wife watching TV. And what I didn't get to, ah, I spent some time preparing for the podcast, but I realized that in order to do the things that I wanted to do to feed my life and my soul and to take care of my life, I was not going to have time yesterday, as I usually do on Sunday, to record the podcast. And so I said to myself, well, we can either do it Sunday night after all the activities of the day, or I can do it Monday morning. And if I do it Monday morning, which is what I ended up doing, I won't have time for exercise, which Monday is my usual, one of my usual exercise mornings. And so I had to make a choice. I had to I had to balance the things of my life, and what happened was that As I was sitting in my meeting yesterday evening, I realized that I was pretty tired and that the best thing for me to do to take care of myself would be to go to bed at a reasonable hour rather than staying up late recording the podcast and that I would record it Monday morning and I would miss my run, uh, very likely miss my run, and that that was a trade-off I was willing to make. So balance. Balance is something we learn. Acceptance. I went on Saturday as I've mentioned I'm going to be teaching in the 7th grade class at church uh, on Sundays and Saturday we had a teacher training at the church and shortly after we got there there was a power problem apparently a, a transformer across the street I don't know blew up or something that was the word that was used I think was blew up and for a while the the power was was low so we only had a few lights uh, we spent some time standing outside Doing introductions and and icebreakers, well, the staff determined whether it was safe for us to to come back into the building, and they they determined that it was. And so we came back in and we did our session. And towards the end, I was feeling the need of of my body and and headed for the bathroom. And one of the staff people said, "Uh, actually, I'm sorry, but the the toilets don't work because the electric pumps that, that bring water into the building aren't working, and so you can't use the bathroom. Okay, acceptance of that. And we finished our session and, and eventually I came to a point where I said, you know, I, I have to leave and we were pretty much done uh, because I need to take care of, I need to take care of a need of my body. And, and everybody understood that and it was a good day. And then we didn't have church on Sunday, which you would have thought gave me more time and it did give me more time to, to, uh, to do some of the things that I talked about. So a week of acceptance, a week of balance and care going to be I'm going to be traveling this coming weekend flying out to Colorado to visit our child who's living in living out there and hopefully see some fall color we'll see I'm sure we will enjoy the visit whether there's beautiful trees in the mountains or not but uh, we hope we're hoping for that and so uh, next week I'm planning to uh, to publish an open talk as the episode of the podcast because I very likely will not have time to record an episode while I'm flying across the country and visiting and so on. But we'd love to hear your thoughts about today's topic of the year of yes or any of our previous topics or suggestions of new topics. Always welcome. You can send us an email or leave us a voicemail with your feedback or your questions. And you can call and leave voicemail at 734-707-8795. You can call right now if you want. Just hit pause and, and call. Podcast will be there when you get back, 734-707-8795. You can also use the voicemail button on the website to join the conversation from your computer. And if you prefer not to use your voice, you can send email to feedback at show.com. We'd love to hear from you. Share your experience, strength, and hope, or your questions about today's topic of year of yes, or any potential upcoming topics. You can find all the information about the show at our website, which is therecoveryshow.com. It includes notes for each episode, an occasional blog, links to the things we talk about in the show, links to other recovery podcasts and websites as well. Carrie posted a comment on the Serenity episode. She writes, Hi there. I wanted to post a comment here rather than leaving a voicemail so others can find this if they're interested in the topic of Serenity. I led a meeting a few days after we recorded this episode on Serenity. As always, those amazing people in the room said so much that helped me. I wanted to share it here in case it touches others as it did for me. In my lead in share." I mentioned something I'd heard in Ellen C.'s talk when she said she told her sponsor, he triggered all my buttons. And her sponsor asked, well, what are you doing with buttons? Later, someone shared that they think of it as first being aware of our triggers or buttons and then gently covering them rather than trying to eradicate, which means to destroy completely, put an end to them. Because as human beings, we will always have triggers or buttons. I just loved that. It felt so much more gentle and loving to me. Another member shared that sometimes we hand over our serenity as easily as if someone asked us to pass the salt. I loved that too. I'm a very visual thinker, and so that helps me to have that visual. And, and thanks for those, those observations that share, Carrie. It's definitely, um, that image of handing over our serenity like the salt really, really rings true for me. Uh, I, I have been there. Akila left us a voicemail. Spencer. This is Akila. I just wanted to thank you for sharing your open talk with us. Um, I'd heard most of it before, but it's always nice to hear it like you been a complete lump. So I really appreciate it and thank you for your service. Bye. Thanks, Akila. Uh, it was helpful for me to do it. Uh, I was actually sharing in a meeting recently that doing that helped me to see how my recovery has changed me. How the way in which I talk about what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now has changed significantly from the beginning of my recovery when my story was all about, almost all about the drunkolog, almost all about early on about her finding early sobriety, which, as you know, uh, led to another relapse and a couple more years of, of drinking. But how now, it's much more about how I felt, about how I reacted, and much less about what she did. And I view that, I see that as growth. I see that as the program working in me to make me more aware of what my part was, and much less about, well, she did this to me. Because a lot of it, I did to myself. A listener sent an email. Thank you for this show. I became aware of your podcast last week, and I am so grateful in trying to utilize this new program tool listening to your show regularly, especially when I do not make a meeting. If I may share on the topic of feelings, a technique that I have learned, which incorporates feelings into my meditation practice, is to identify where in the body the feeling is experienced. Then focus attention or light or love on that part of the body. Breathe and continue to observe the sensations in the body, how it moves, shifts, intensifies, or diminishes. There is no need to even understand what the feeling is to do this if the label has not yet become clear. Thank you again for this program. And thank you for that. I think so often I feel that I need to identify something, I need to name it in order to do anything about it. And what you're saying is that there are other ways there are other ways to relieving a negative feeling, or maybe enhance a positive feeling. I hadn't just thought of that by asking, not necessarily what is it, but where do I feel it? Where do I feel it? Do I feel it? What is, this? what is this thing I have? Well, it's in the pit of my stomach. So let's focus a little love and light there. And let's see if we can just reduce it, move it, without needing to name it. It's a nice observation. Thank you. Diana left us a review in iTunes titled, A Meeting in Your Ears. I appreciate a lot of the episodes, especially on weeks that are extra busy, and I can't make it to an in-person meeting. I'm so glad to have found this. Thank you, Spencer. Well, thank you. Thank you, Diana. Because iTunes reviews and ratings help to make us easier to find by those who are in need and are seeking recovery. And if you're concerned about anonymity, you can give us a rating without writing a review, and your identity will not be shown. But of course, I won't read your rating here because I won't see it. Oh, well, we get his little star extra star or something, you know. Thank you for that, Diana. It doesn't cost you anything to listen to the recovery show, but we do have expenses which are running about sixty dollars a month. You can help to support us and keep us on the web and in your ear. We have a donation button on the website where you can support us directly, just like Laurianne, Eric, and Laura did. And thank you again, Lauriane, Eric and Laura for your support. We have also put together a list of recovery-related books. Click on the books link at the top of the page. If you order one of these books from Amazon through our website, we will receive a small commission. In fact, anything you order from Amazon, after clicking on one of the links, will help us. It costs you nothing extra and helps to keep us on the air. Thank you for your support, in whatever form you give it. Whether it's sharing the podcast with your friends, just direct them to therecoveryshow.com, or